Hello, everybody, and welcome to the debut episode of Awards Blend. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and we are trying something new and hopefully pretty exciting. Um, we are going to be doing uh, our normal column, the Awards Blend feature where we talk about what's going on in the awards race. But this time around, I'm having some guests join me, and I think we're going to turn this into a regular thing. I want to introduce two of my really good friends who I'm so happy to be joining us on this podcast. I have Jake Hamilton. Jake, introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Jake Hamilton. I'm the entertainment reporter for Fox 32 News in Chicago. Uh, super psyched to be here. I think we all sort of know each other from doing the same thing, which is uh, traveling around the world together doing junkets. Uh, we obviously all sort of review films for our own separate outlets. And uh, excited to uh, to geek out with you guys. We, You know, it's interesting. We've all been getting a lot of uh, social media presence to uh, or uh, requests from people to to do this to have a podcast for a while now. So uh, I'm excited that it's finally happening. Well, and every time that they say you guys should do a podcast, they always say we need to bring our third friend along, and that is Mr. Kevin McCarthy. Woo! Kevin, introduce yourself. Sean, Sean, I'm going to call you Seanathan for the purpose of this podcast. Um, Fair enough. And, uh, Jake, what's going on, guys? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Kevin McCarthy. I'm, I'm out of Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, and as Jake said, we've, we've known each other for years. We've been doing uh, interviews around the world together. Uh, what's funny is Jake, Jake, Sean, and I actually uh, have a, a text message chain, and all we ever do is we'll see a film, and then we'll, like recently with the new Star Wars film, we'll just start chatting away. So it's actually kind of nice to be able to be on a video podcast talking out loud about it. And uh, it's I, I just think the chemistry we have via text is always so interesting and funny and, and, and fascinating. I'm interested for people to actually interact with us. And well, I want to point a, out a too, this is not... I had to silence that, that, that text chain because we talk so much and we're all at work that, that I will walk back to my phone and have like 84 text messages <laughs> from that text group. And I mean that as a compliment that I had to silence the notifications on that text chain. Yeah. This also is not the first time that we did this. Um, you guys will remember we were at the Toronto International Film Festival a couple of years ago, yes. and we saw a movie that just blew yeah. all of us away in uh, Alfonso Cuarón's Gravity. And one of the first things that we did after sitting outside the theater and just totally geeking out about it was, uh, let's record something. I yeah. mean, we're all members of the Broadcast Film Critics Association. We're very proud members of that. We work for different outlets in our different markets. But whenever we're together, the three of us tend to sort of just gravitate and and start dissecting something. And so we sat down and recorded a video for Gravity. And that actually did really yeah. well. Did it really? I didn't, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, oh. I didn't know what the view count on that was. Yeah. I mean, it, it was high. And the, the, the chatter of it was just like, A, you three are super nerdy. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> But informative, and that's what we hope this podcast will be, an informed discussion about, um, starting off with, it's going to be about the awards race, yep. and it's going to be about the films that are in this conversation as we build towards uh, a group that we all vote in, the the Critics' Choice Awards, which are given out in January. But along that way, and especially part of the reason why we wanted to launch this this week, is we're going to be touching on all of the other awards groups that... that announce their nominations and build towards the bigger Oscar picture. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I want to. I want to mention one thing about Gravity real quick, Sean. Before you go on, is I of just of course you do. I know. I, all I want to say about that is I remember just how blown away we were, and I remember just the passion that we shared for the experience that we had for that film and Alfonso Cuarón. Just what you know that what that film did for cinema and, and the idea of what he did with the visual effects of that movie and uh, and the score and everything like that. So I remember just all three of us combining that passion. So I just think it's awesome that we're it's been years. So it's just nice that we're back together. That that was really the inception of our of this whole thing. 
And what uh, people don't know is, is that it's fun when we all agree and it gets super nerdy and passionate and geeky. We're all on the same page. But people have never seen us whenever we disagree about a movie. And that's right. when I'd argue it gets really interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I and, look forward to uh, us having our first episode where one of us viciously disagrees with yeah. the other. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our audience uh, finally understanding that Jake and Sean are so wrong about Dunkirk. And I'm looking, we're not I'm wrong looking, about Dunkirk. I I'm, like I'm just, Dunkirk. I'm looking forward to that discussion that we're going to have. And I think eventually at the end of these uh, podcasts, Jake and Sean are going to be like, Kevin... You were right, and I, and, I, and it's okay. You, it'll it'll happen. Don't it's worry. It's gonna have to be a I'm very gonna... long podcast for that to happen. <laughs> I want to tease a 2018 segment of the Awards Blend podcast. Um, I'm putting it on everyone's radar right now. We will do an episode called "The Films of Christopher Nolan." Yes, oh, <laughs> yeah, and it will be it will be a bloodbath. I mean, do, oh, I, do I even need to show up, or are we just gonna let Kevin talk for like three or four hours? <laughs> no, because you have to help me defend some placements. <laughs> okay, of these fair films. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Dunkirk will not be number one. No, but when I put Begins over the Dark Knight. Oh, uh, dude, come on. And, and see, that's what this is, Sean. That's where you're wrong. And listen, <laughs> so this is the beginning Sean, of the end of our friendship. Sean, basically. let me it's tell nice. you when I stopped listening to what you were saying. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I, I just think that, like, you, you need to figure out your your order here. I mean, Batman Begins is definitely a phenomenal film. And I do think it's terribly underrated considering the fact that Dark Knight had so much uh, love, but Dark Knight is a better film. We we all know that. And Sean, you know that in your heart. You're just trying to be a contrarian. And Dark Knight's <laughs> a better film than Dunkirk. And I'm glad that we know it's agree not on actually. That. Yes, that, that's not no, true at all. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> Interstellar's his best movie. No question. But what? We'll, we'll get to that shortly. Oh. <laughs> this is like a hand grenade dropped in you the middle of the You know Interstellar's his right best movie. It's okay, guys. It's all right. <laughs> Interstellar wouldn't all be right. his best movie if it were his only movie. Oh, it's his it's his masterpiece. That's Zimmer's masterpiece. This is why this is interesting because we have an entire season where Mr. Nolan is going to be part of this conversation yeah. because I think we all truly believe that Dunkirk is a contender and yes. that it's going to be in the race as we continue. Yeah. Let's let's transition <laughs> off of introductions because uh, the three of us can talk about ourselves for the entire yes. hour if we want. There's to. nothing I love talking about me more than me. <laughs> I want to start by getting reactions to um, let's begin with Critics Choice. It's a group that we are members of, and I think that it's the group that lines up the closest with where the Oscars might go because we have um, just the traditional best picture category. When we get to the Globes, we have to acknowledge the fact that there's a drama category and a comedy musical of which Get Out found its way into somehow. <laughs> um, although I guess you could argue Get Out has some funny scenes, but um, yeah, you but classify it. In the same way that like Dumb and Dumber has moments of drama, there, but therefore it is a drama. Like you gotta, like you gotta... Stay, you got to stay in your lane. Calling Get Out a comedy is, I think, just undermines the brilliance of that film and the idea, the social thriller aspect of it, and just what it was saying about race and and just the. I honestly would put that's like. I mean, I'm not, I'm not comparing Jordan Peele to Hitchcock, but that's like nominating a Hitchcock film for a comedy, in my opinion. I, I, True. I you can't see that. I agree with that. So it let's also get around to. Exactly. Let's get around to Critics' Choice, um, yeah. a group that, as we will say, full disclosure, yeah. we all sort of submit nominations yeah. for. And we <clears> all <throat> uh, get screeners for as well. For people that don't know what screeners are, we can't always see the movies in time to vote on them or to nominate them. So the studios send us DVD copies of the films, oftentimes before they're even in theaters, to ensure that we have seen them, or in some cases, as maybe a reminder to see them again. I value screeners just as much to see a movie a second time 
as I do to perhaps see it the first time. Yeah, I, I just feel I always feel guilty watching a screener only because I, I, I just I'm such a uh, advocate of the of the cinema experience and going to a movie mm-hmm. theater and seeing films there. And, and, and I will say, like what Jake said, there are times where we're traveling so much and we can't. Like I, I feel bad. I had to watch Disaster Artist on a plane. You know, I mean, it was like you know, it's one of those things where it's just you, you can't really, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to find the time to juggle right. that. So, and there are some movies like you know, like, hypothetically, they didn't send a screener, but if they were to send a screener of The Last Jedi, I wouldn't watch it because I would just say I'm no. gonna wait to see that in theaters. <laughs> I think something like Disaster Artist, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to watch it on a plane, but I watched it at you know at home on my. Yeah. fairly large TV, and I didn't feel like I lost too much. I mean, I always turn my phone off. I try to replicate as much of the cinematic experience as possible. But I don't think for a lot of the smaller films, maybe something like Darkest Hour or Call Me By Your Name, that you lose that much. I don't Someone think. told me the other day they watched Dunkirk on a plane, and ah, I almost flipped out. For the like first that, time? That, that, to me, you might as well just throw yourself out of a window. Like, well, they can't watch Dunkirk on a plane. The, the I mean, first time on. they watched I, it was on a plane? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> like, a what? Yeah, that's a yeah. mistake. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting down on a plane with all those options and choosing Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, 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 oh. Okay. And Sean. this is the last time Kevin was ever on oh, the podcast. Wow. Okay, okay. So um, I, looking at the best pictures for Critics' Choice, I do find it pretty interesting because you guys are talking about the fact that we got the screeners yeah. and and that the screeners that start arriving uh, in mid-November, I, I, I'm not going to say that every year they dictate the films that are in the conversation, but in looking at the, the best picture nominees that we have, and I, I believe we have 10 of them here, they're all movies that did send um, screener DVDs. There isn't something that sort of was, you know, outside of the box and not being pitched. Introduce your dog to us. No, I'm sorry. This is my dog Daenerys and she very much <laughs> wants to be a part of the conversation. Yes. So um, that is our fourth co-host. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, and we're going to get around to a, a section later on in this podcast where we sort of talk about films that aren't in the race um, that should be in there. I found something really odd with the Critics' Choice nominees, too, in that we have seven best actors yeah, yeah. Uh, and six best actresses. Tell me, do you guys think that that's a little bit strange that we included that many actors? Or are you happy to see people get recognition? I think it's a little strange to do that and then forgive me for saying this and then brag that we're a predictor of the Oscars. Because if you nom- right. the more you nominate, the better chance you have at being a predictor of the Oscars. Um, I I would I mean, granted. That being said, my favorite nomination that we gave was for Patrick Stewart, Best Supporting Actor for Logan, which I fully believe he deserves an Oscar nomination for that. He might not have made the cut. He might not have been in the same conversation as Willem Dafoe and Sam Rockwell had we cut it down to five. So I do like seeing him get the recognition because then maybe Oscar voters look at that and go, ah, that's right, I totally forgot. I should be thinking about him. So maybe it does remind people a little bit down the road of people that were forgotten about in the conversation, but it's, it's a double-edged sword. Then then I'd argue, be careful bragging about how great of a predictor that we are of the Oscars, because it's like, yeah, we're casting a pretty wide net, though. Yeah, but see, to me, and, and I've argued this for a long time with the Academy Awards, if you're going to have 10 Best Picture nominations, you, sh- you should have 10 Oscar or 10 Actor nominations. You should have 10. If It, it should be across the board. I don't understand why. There, I, I get it why there's different numbers. I know Dark Knight kind of changed it back to that 10 format um, uh, for a while. But I just think that the seven actors that we've chosen, I don't think that some of these would have gotten into the Academy Awards. And J- Jake mentions, obviously, Sir Patrick Stewart in the supporting category. But, you know, I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal is going to have a – a big shot this year for Stronger at the Academy Awards. Uh, obviously, he didn't get nominated for a SAG, so I think it's cool that we were able to give him that type of recognition. And I think the actors, a Critics' Choice nomination is a big deal. I mean, the, when when those nominations come out, 
actors tweet about it all the time. I mean, Jessica Chastain was tweeting about it. I've seen people tweet about the, the Critics' Choice Awards, and actors are honored that they were nominated by uh, the Critics Association. So I think someone like a Joan Hall, who will not have a, uh, a chance this year in the Academy, I think it was cool that we gave it to him. It does make me wonder if someone like Jake Gyllenhaal sees the fact that there's that many in the category and it loses a little bit of something. I don't you know. know? I, um, what, what are your feelings on 10 Best Picture nominations then? Do you think – Are I mean, there ever 10 though? Like they're always between always 5 nine. and 10. But, but they're, yeah, there's always – I feel like they never take advantage, which I always think just take – just do 10 then. Like, why, well, why man, the reason be... why it ends up only being 9 is because mathematics, which is very strange how it all works out. I mean I, I couldn't even begin to describe how it works out. But it, it's the rate – it's the weight of the nomination they give it. Like it's right. not that they choose to give 9. Yeah. It's just – happens to be that at the end of the all the raffling all the counting it becomes only and nine isn't nominees. it more important that a few people love a movie than more people like a movie like if you want to get nominated don't you need more people to put you you could you could have fewer people put you at number one and more people put you at number four and the people that got fewer votes at number one have a better shot at getting in than the ones that got a bunch of votes at number four well but to that reason like here's what i think it should be I think it should be five every year. Five. That's it. I don't and, disagree and with truthfully, you. And truthfully, truthfully, I think it should be three because every really? year we start no. talking. Well, yeah, because no, but listen, we start talking about these races and if you have 10, realistically, as we get closer to it, there's one or two that we think have a shot and one that might upset it. Like as this starts to progress and, you know, Darkest Hour might be able to call itself a best picture nominee. But but if if all of the groups leading up to it single out Lady Bird and Get Out starts getting in there and the maybe the post goes on us, we're never at the at the the end of the race where we're like these six or seven movies have a legitimate shot of winning. So, right. so why not just narrow it down? So forgive me if I'm wrong. I believe years years ago, like decades ago, it was ten nominees, right? And then it went to five, and then the no, it was five. It was thought, five. Oh yeah, okay, you're saying decades. There was yeah. a long time ago where it was ten, and then obviously with the Dark Knight year, that that wasn't the reason why. It expanded to the to the next year to, to 10 i still have no freaking idea why the reader got in there and the dark knight didn't but anyways but moving on to scene, honestly yeah i know uh but yeah it's the, and also the wine scenes the reason shakespeare and love beat saving private ryan that's a whole other story uh. but you know you move on to the 10 nominees i don't know i think like in a, in a 10 nomination world uh, i think films that wouldn't get but I, I understand what you're saying it almost diminishes the quality of what gets in there but to me, this year specifically, I'm having a hard time choosing a top 10. I mean, because there are right. so many great films. I've, I have 15, 16, 17 films that I'm trying to squeeze into 10 films this year. So I'm 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 actually kind of grateful there's a 10th, uh, 10 uh, uh, category this year. I'm, I, and, I'm, and to be fair, I mean, keep in mind, we, like, we're such passionate film fans. We know all of these movies that are being nominated. The average person on the street probably isn't going to go to the theaters to see something like Call Me By Your Name or even maybe something as far as Darkest Hour. The, to me, the beauty of having at least five, maybe not ten, but at least five, is that it brings movies to the attention of people that otherwise it would not be brought to the attention of. Because the average person at home that has kids and they're running to work and they're doing this and that, they probably never would have heard of something like Call Me By Your Name or even The Disaster Artist. But if they see it's nominated for Best Picture and then maybe down the road they see it on Amazon Prime or on Netflix, they go... Oh, that's right. I saw it was nominated. So to me, that is one benefit of having more nominations is that it puts more uh, lesser known films. Dunkirk doesn't need our help. Get Out doesn't even need our help. But some of the, some of the smaller films, Florida Project, could use a little bit of a boost. I will say that one, one of the big questions that a lot of people talk about is what which award show is the biggest indicator for the Academy Awards. And uh, I think, you know, I think we can all agree that the Golden Globes have kind of become a big joke. Uh, and I think that the Critics' Choice Awards, in my opinion, hold a lot more weight 
in regards to uh, critical acclaim, like what, what movies are being up there. I mean, the fact that the Golden Globes uh, years ago nominated The Tourist for three uh, Golden Globe nominations, and yet you don't have anything like Logan or, or Wonder Woman, or films that we, and listen, I know Wonder Woman's an outside shot, but like something like The, the Big Sick even, where was that at the Golden Globes this year? So I, I just think All the right, Golden so Globes, in my opinion, are kind of laughable, but it's just me. Let's transition over to the Globes. And I want you, um, Kevin, to elaborate on why you think that they've lost their um, luster, so to speak. Because both of these, and, and as a member of Critics' Choice, I have to be brutally honest, as a member of the board, um, I have to recognize that both the Globes and our Critics' Choice, while the point of them is to recognize uh, the best of, in cinema – the show itself is still a televised product and you want to get people to show up. And so I, I'll argue there is no way that <laughs> tourist should have received Golden Globe nominations, but you look at certain nominees and you're like, all right, well, they wanted Johnny Depp to come to the show. Oh. I, I, and I get that. But so you think they traded a bit of their integrity oh, yeah. and maybe sold some of their soul to get people to show yeah. up, to get the people from the tourist. Here's the up. thing though. It's like for me, for, for example, okay, the tourist is just a genuinely bad film. So right. listen, you could, you could argue, we don't know for sure, but you could argue that that was nominated obviously to get those, to get Jolie and Depp to go to the award show. I can't think of any other reason why it would, would be nominated, but if sure. you're, but if you're in that mindset, why not also nominate films this year that had a gigantic audience that brought a lot of people in? So, for example, if you're going, because the tourists didn't do well at the box office, right? Right. No. So, if you're going to nominate, they must have thrown if, one hell of a party right, yeah. but, that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. If you're going to nominate the tourist for the reason of possibly bringing those people to your show to get ratings. Why not look at a film like Wonder Woman, which right. changed everything this year? Everyone loved it. Gal Gadot's a huge star. Patty Jenkins right. is, is, is a, a force oh. of nature that everybody wants to see nominated. So if you're in right. that mindset, bring in your viewers with ratings. Wonder Woman's a movie that would work. Why did that not get nominated? So I don't understand their logic uh, in regards to – so to me, their credibility is lost in that department for many, many reasons in the Golden Globes. Get Out being in a comedy category one, Martian being a comedy that was ridiculous, even though there was some funny stuff in there. But I think, I don't know, to me it's interesting that like if we're going to go the route of the idea that they do it for ratings and for people to show up, where's Wonder Woman? Where's Logan? And, and I, I'm saying this without, obviously, I'll admit, for uh, not knowing what I'm talking about, but none of us have seen all the money in the world. And from what I've heard, the only people that have seen all the money in the world are the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and in fact, right. they saw an unfinished version of All the Money in the World because of everything that happened with Kevin Spacey. I felt that the nominations they gave it, to me, and like I said, have not seen the film. It could be fantastic. I'm not saying it until next week. To me, the nominations sort of felt like, look, aren't we cool? Like, we've seen it already, yeah. and, we can, yeah. and we can nominate it, and oh, we have. 100%. To nominate, to give Ridley Scott Best Director, but then not Best Picture felt, I mean, the two, to me, normally kind of go hand in hand. Unless sure. they're giving it to Ridley Scott simply based off the fact of what he what he's had to do within the last thirty to forty days, it's definitely a power move. It was totally a power move, and, and it kind of shook up everyone for a second. Like when you heard that name, Plummer, and you heard Ridley Scott, and you heard Michelle Williams. Now, I, I've been hearing for a long time that Michelle Williams is absolutely brilliant in the film, and it was a film that that she was likely going to get nominated for. Um, but obviously with the Kevin Spacey shakeup and Plummer coming in to finish it, I mean, I'm still blown away that that Ridley did it in the time he did it. And I, and I'm, I can't wait to Amazing. see it, how he should did that it. be brought into consider when talking about someone yeah. that deserves best director, should that be brought into consideration? Um, I mean, if we're talking about what it takes to direct a film, it's a great question. I, I can't <laughs> argue that it shouldn't. Yeah. 
I would argue Listen, that if nobody's saying that about the post and Spielberg started shooting the post in May yeah, that's true. and he's delivering it in December. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That, that got less headlines. That was less flashy. It is interesting. Yeah, you're right. He, the headlines. He, Spielberg finished another Spielberg has another movie coming out that he finished before the post started. He has yeah, Ready yeah. Player One. He 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 did essentially did the uh, best picture nominee during post-production of another one of his films. Yeah, he did this right. with Schindler's List right. and uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Park like, and, then, like, and then he also did, uh, what, uh, uh, Tintin and War Horse? Yeah, it's crazy. But, but like, the, the Post, for example, to me, is, a, 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 while it was a fast production, um, it, you know, it, like, the, looking at Ridley Scott and what he did here, and again, I haven't seen the film, but in order to judge what as a director for him to be a best director i would need to see the both films side by side to see what he actually accomplished you know what i mean i don't know if we'll ever we'll never sure. get that opportunity right but if he's able but, but to that shouldn't be the main reason he's nominated though oh like, i agree like, you know if, it, no. if, if if maybe like you're looking for that fifth spot and it's between him and someone else and then you want to use that as like the tipping point that gives him that last spot but I mean, you can't look at that and say, "Well, he deserves to be standing next to Christopher Nolan because he had to go back and shoot ten days worth of footage in a month." Like, yeah. That. So, so before we dissect the actual Globe nominations, I want to ask you guys a question. This because we're we're talking about them and and their group and their nominations. We do follow them, and we're we're currently hosting an awards podcast, and and they're part of the conversation. Why why are we paying attention? Do the how do the Globes matter to this process? It's a good party. Yeah, well, but it matters to the process because it is something in the public eye and it, it is something, in my opinion, that, you know, there are a lot of films nominated at the Globes this year that I agree that deserve to be there. Uh, and, sure. I, and I, you know, I'll call are there films that you think uh, don't deserve to be there? Yeah, and I think that's one of the Or is topics. that later? Are we, are we talking that later? We're talking yeah. about that later in the well, podcast. Well, no, you could bring that up now. If you think the Globes whiffed on something, bring it up. Uh, I, I mean, I always start to get really nervous around the musical uh, comedy category. I have not seen Greatest Showman, so I cannot speak to that. Um, but I've heard this is the greatest yeah, show. And, and I think Sean, are we under it's embargo? My... We can't say anything yet, can we? I just sang one of the songs. No, That's I know all that. I said. <laughs> yeah, I believe we're under embargo. Oh, and I don't want to get you guys yeah. in trouble, so you know. I don't believe we can discuss it. Just okay. Yet. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. I don't believe we can. But the point being, uh, so looking at okay, so let's look at the two big categories, and that's the. That's the um, how you sort of have to couch the discussion of the Globes is because they divide <clears throat> films up into those two different categories. They get weighted differently. It's not like when the Oscars are are doing their entire best picture, they're breaking things up into subgenre. And because the Globes have basically always done this, it allows you to consider other films. Right. I think looking at those five best motion picture drama films, right now it's for people who are listening, Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, The Post, the Shape of Water and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I I think all five of those are in. Do you guys disagree? Well, I, I I agree that they're all in, but I thought it was very fascinating today that when the SAG nominations came out, that the post wasn't in there for anything. I believe I, I don't nonsense. Think it, it, it didn't have an ensemble nomination, an actor nomination, and or an actress nomination. I do think that because of the ten nominees at the Oscars, it will be in there. But if I right. if, if the Oscars nominations were to come out to the, tomorrow and it was only going to be five, I bet you Get Out gets in there before the Post does. I don't know. You if think the, the Post? You was... think the Post is wavering because of the lack of SAG nominations? Uh, I think the SAG thing today was is is a. I don't know if it's wavering. I, I just like think it, it I feel didn't like help. two weeks ago I was hearing help. that that SAG was a front runner for Best Picture, and now right. So I mean, where so that, where's the Post? I don't know. I don't know. But so but I, then again, I, is, is I, there? I would have to. I would have to research this, but I'm not sure if SAG had to nominate 
early, like early enough that they didn't screen it in time. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case. It, I'm not sure if that's. And the case. is well, there a feeling sad, sad of kid. someone like you know like. Uh, I, I sort of feel like with someone like Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, they get a lot of like, uh, maybe not Meryl Streep as much as Tom Hanks, but I feel like sometimes they get a little bit of like, ah, uh, they, they've already got a couple under their belts. I guess, but you go six or seven actors deep in that ensemble and it's yeah. just insane. Hey, yeah, I mean, the post, if anything, the post is an, is the quintessential SAG ensemble uh, yeah. nomination. There, yeah. there is, yeah. I, mean, I mean, looking at Call Me By Your, I mean, looking at the SAG Awards today, I'm trying, I'm pulling mm. up the five here. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, Big Sick was definitely really good, obviously. But I mean, like, I would almost say as much as I love the Big Sick, I think that the Post is a stronger ensemble. I mean, but I will, you know, the Post, though, I mean, um, the Big Sick, for example, the ensemble is that four strong, there's three three strong actors. Sure, you have right, right. Kumail, right. Holly, and, and uh, Ray Romano. But I mean, the Post, you could argue there's, what, 12, 13, 14 strong actors that all really, I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know, I find that fascinating today. And for people that aren't aware, the reason we're putting so much weight into SAG is because there's much more of a crossover between SAG and the Oscars than there is Golden Globes and the Oscars, or even, frankly, Critics' Choice in the Oscars. I don't know if there are even... Are there Hollywood Foreign Press members that are members of the Academy? I don't know if there's any crossover. I can't imagine there's a no. lot of crossover between ourselves but, and the Academy. But the reason why SAG is such a big deal no. is that actors make up the majority of the branch of the Academy Exactly, voters. that's what I'm saying. And so like, that's why we're putting so much weight into the post not getting yeah. the SAG nomination this morning. Right. So that, because, that, and that begs the question, do, do, will that affect the post of the Oscars? And I, I say it will. I, and I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you look at the SAG nominees for actor today, uh, listen, I like Call Me By Your Name. I don't I don't get the Timothy Chalamet uh, uh, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Uh, leading actor thing. I, I don't understand that. I, I think Hanks delivered a stronger performance. Um, but, you know, that's 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 one thing we can argue later on. But, you know, the five actors that got nominated for SAG today were Timothy from Call Me By Your Name, James Franco, Daniel Kaluuya, Gary Oldman and Denzel Washington. You know, I say take Denzel and Timothy out, put Tom Hanks in, and in, in a in a dream world, put Andy Serkis in, which will never happen. Yeah. But and, and 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 you're never going to take out Timothy. I'd, I'd argue he's he's that he's the biggest shot at, at taking no, it from Oldman. Is he gonna is, is he gonna win? You know, it's funny. Like three weeks ago, uh, Gary Oldman yeah. was the front runner, and and Darkest Hour is a good movie. It's not great, but it's good, yeah. and he's great in it. Um, I don't understand, but, but, when, I mean, but I don't understand like when people say like, well, he might not win because it's not a good movie. A lot of actors have oh, won yeah. for movies that aren't good movies. Look at Meryl Streep but, and, La- and Lady, Lady, what, what was that movie? The Iron, uh, Lady, Iron Lady. Lady was terrible, Lady, but she Kate was great Winslet in it. The yeah. Reader, I mean, I, I feel like uh, you, you can't judge the movie when judging the performance. You're strictly supposed to be judging the performance. But then again, also, if you're going to make that argument, how is Denzel nominated? Roman J. Israel Esquire is not a good film. And that's not even one of his best performances in the agree. last, you know, like couple of years. That like, was a big surprise. So do we think that do we think that SAG nominees see familiar names and just sort of check them off? But where well, about but that uh, would Tom Hanks? Tom, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah, as familiar as it gets. I just don't understand, and I would love to look at this in more detail when the shift happened between Timothy and Gary Oldman. But something right. happened overnight, somewhere, somehow. Where Gary Critics Oldman's now taking a back seat, and I don't understand it. But but the Denzel thing—that was my biggest shock when the Globes came out with that nomination. I mean, listen, it's a great performance. He's great in the movie. Movie's not great really at all. Um, I so that, that's why I'm wondering why is, is, is Tom Denzel Hanks becoming the new Meryl Streep, where he just gets nominated if he makes a movie? I don't know, man. Did anybody see that movie? I, I mean, no. I saw because I did the junket. I saw right. I saw it for exactly. review purposes. I last I saw I actually looked at the box office today. It's made a little over eleven million dollars, which compared oh, to that's, most Denzel movies, though I mean even Fences, right. which is 
three people having a conversation in the backyard made somewhere right. between 30 and 40 million dollars but like we all know that box office like, like like look at moonlight last year that movie made i think less yeah. than 30 and, and yeah. it won best picture right. so i mean i right. I, I, I think but, that but one of the things that was driving the expanse of the best picture category at the oscars was because they kept nominating films that nobody was going to go see and they needed to start bringing in some more blockbuster type movies to keep people interested in the show people who are like I, that, that's why I, I'm still holding out hope that Wonder Woman finds its way into Best Picture. I think it will. Because I think it could. They need to, yeah, I think it yeah, could. Yeah, and I think it has a shot. And I think that they just need to find a movie that, that the general audience is going to invest in so that they're going to tune out and watch, or turn in and watch the Oscars. But television. if you're going to jump into the superhero category, and I, and listen, I, I don't think Logan's a superhero film by any means. Oh, it's means, Logan! But, oh, but Logan. like Logan, for example, like that's yes. like out of the two, Logan and versus Wonder Woman, I would rather see right. Logan in there. But I think... If you're looking at it from a rating standpoint, bringing people in for a blockbuster while Logan did well, Wonder Woman is the perfect movie to kind of bring – I mean people would be ecstatic to see that film. I mean that, that's the thing. When, the, when, like when, the, when our country goes to the movies, films like Star Wars, Wonder Woman, blockbusters, Beauty and the Beast, things like that, you know, that's why like the Academy Awards, if they want to get these ratings up, I think you know, they have, there have to be familiar films. Now Dunkirk is one of those movies <laughs> – I only mentioned that because it made five hundred million dollars. It made five hundred million dollars. So you know that that is a, a, a kind of a quintessential example of a film that did well. A lot of people saw it, and I think that's a movie that people will want to see Do at you the know, award show. Kevin, listen, Kevin, you bring up an excellent point. And this season, Dunkirk could be the movie that that is the populist film that that pulls in a larger audience of people who want to see it win. And and truthfully, because Nolan has been the you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride type thing. He's he's graduating to that place where people almost want him to be part of the conversation. And um, honestly, and I'm, I'm voting for Chris Nolan for best director. I'm not voting for Dunkirk right. for best picture, but he's I, my best director vote because not just because I'm a Nolan fan and I think he's long overdue, but to me, that's the best directed film this year. Yeah. Like, right. I just, I just, the skill that it took to pull off something like that is is uh, uh incomparable what i'm finding fascinating though is just the is the waves of how things are changing in regards to what's becoming front runners and we mentioned timothy and gary oldman's example of that and and, and i will say that there was a time period where where i thought nolan definitely was going to win the academy award this year and you know just for people who are watching you guys i've seen dunkirk six times my favorite movie of the year but I, we can get into that later on right now the shift i'm seeing is del toro I think Del Toro is going to win Best Director. Oh, and, and Listen, like Shape of Water yeah. is a is a monumental. Like I think it got the most Critics Choice nominated. I think it was fourteen nominations, whatever it was. And then I just think that 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 film seems like the the underdog that's going to like take over everything. I don't know why I see that, but I do. It's very possible, and we know that this is a marathon, and there are you know ebbs and flows, and certain movies that were front runners in the beginning end up not being front runners later. And to that end. Let's transition out of our reaction. The reaction was great, guys. I love the fact that you guys brought a lot of passion to to the things that did get nominated. But I want to sort of transition into um, films that are not in the race at the moment. We, we're yeah. getting a really good idea between Critics' Choice, between the Screen Actors Guild, between the Golden Globes. Um, by the time the Oscar nominees, uh, nominees come around, we're really pushing for a few films that um, just aren't getting the love right now that we thought that they would and and maybe we view them not just that, that we think that they're really great movies but they're movies that that should be contending in different categories uh jake you have a great one can you kick us off yeah uh my as of right now i the only film i have left to see really uh this year is uh great i guess greatest showman and all the money in the world but my favorite film 
2017 is Blade Runner 2049. And what's frustrating to me about Blade Runner not really being include, included in the conversation, granted, I think it'll get several below-the-line nominations. Um, I think we could wake up on Oscar on Oscar nomination morning, and Blade Runner 25 could... 29 could, could walk away with maybe five or six nominations, but it'll, it'll all be technical stuff. But when that movie came out, we were talking about it as a potential Best Picture nominee. We were talking about Denis as a, as a potential Best Director nominee, which I think it very much deserves. It's an incredible film. And what's frustrating to me is that I feel like the reason it's out of the conversation is because it didn't do well at the box office. The mm-hmm. second that it got wrapped up in these headlines of box office bomb, bad opening weekend, yeah. uh, bad box office numbers compared to budget. I feel like it's Oscar nomination, like, chances just went up in the air. And the, the two should have nothing to do with one another. A, a movie should be judged on, on its quality. Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049 did something that I didn't think was possible, which is act as a sequel to what is considered one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time, and I'd argue be better than that original. I mean, we're talking there are, and you can count on one hand, the number of sequels that are better than the original when it comes to classics. And I think sure. when you start talking Godfather 2, when you start talking Empire Strikes Back, the potentially the next movie in that conversation, somewhere in that conversation, you're going to start to say uh, Blade Runner 2049. And in 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to look back and wonder how is Blade Runner 2049 not included in the 2017 awards conversation. And I'd argue even Harrison Ford gave an amazing performance and should be in conversation for supporting actor. Yeah, Blade Runner 2049 yeah. is also my uh, answer to that question, too, along with Jake. I mean, that's my number three film of the year behind Dunkirk and Get Out. And um, Blade Runner 2049, I think Jake has a great point about the idea that once the box office for that film, and it, there was a time where that movie was on everyone's list. I mean, it is one of the best films of the year. Uh, unfortunately, I think Blade Runner 2049 is going to serve the same fate uh, that the original Blade Runner had. It's just one of those movies that... Uh, didn't do well at the box office, uh, has yet to find that, uh, that status. I mean, we love the film, but I don't think it, it's one of those, it's, it's a very niche, niche film. And I think that it's a, it's a, it, was a, it was a tough sell to a larger audience because the first one, you know, in our circles, in like film geek circles, that first movie is a, is a classic. And I think that the Blade Runner 2049, I agree, is a better film than the original, no question. I think Denis directed the heck out of that film. Deacons and what happened to Deacons when when that release came out? I still think Deacons takes cinematography. Oh no, I, no, I think De- Deacons no, will get nominated, will but Hoyt Van Hoyden no. is going to win this. Hoyt Van Hoyden is going to win, him. man. That Hoyt Van Hoyt, he's going to win. I and I only say this because it's just something about the fact that they won't they won't give it to Deacons. I they know. will not. But you know what? They won't. I kind of like that. I like that Deacons. Cause, cause Deacons. I is, think he would disagree. No, 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 no. Deacons is, Deacons <laughs> yes, is in a rare would. group of people who clearly <laughs> right. have deserved Academy Awards, but never got oh. them. Like, oh my Alfred gosh. Hitchcock, so many times. Stanley Kubrick. I mean, there right. are, there are mastermind Orson Welles. None of these guys ever won Academy Awards. So Deacons is not in bad company. And it's funny because like Nolan's in that same company as well. And a lot of these people who have not yet to win Academy Awards. Deacons, I thought when I saw uh, Blade Runner for the first time, I was like, he is going to win this year. But Jake is sure. right. Jake is on to something in regards when that when those, when that first weekend hit, it just kind of blew away. Like, I don't know what happened. It was very weird. Wow. And like, Blade, it really, it, it is Blade Runner 2049. I, I think. 
and I, t- I think I said this in my Twitter, we are lucky that that film exists. Because that is right. uh, the fact that a studio greenlit that film with that budget on a film that didn't do well initially and kind of had a very small audience to begin with, uh, I, you got to give props to Warner Brothers for even making that movie. And it's just, I'm yeah, just happy when it exists. it's not rewarded by box office or like an awards season acclaim, yeah. we're not going to be seeing movies like that anymore because they have no reason to make them. It's really sad. It, it, it makes me really upset that that didn't get any nominations. Um, and, you know, in a, in a year without Get Out and Dunkirk, I think I'd be a little more upset about it. But I think that, I don't know, I, I, I'm, that's well, definitely the movie that's not getting attention that deserves it. But Kevin, I want you to lobby for the one that you also brought up too. You want to lobby for Andy Serkis. Oh, no question. I mean, here and and I don't want to it cut me off if I go too long on this, but Andy Serkis has deserved an Academy Award nomination at least since the first Hobbit films. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, first Lord of the Rings films. But as the technology has progressed from motion capture to performance capture, I just don't understand why the Academy and every single award show, the SAG Awards and the Golden Globes, there's this weird reason that they don't understand that the performance is happening uh, by a human <laughs> being. And I think that Andy Serkis, for example, he's acting. It is purely acting. We're just seeing a right. digital version of the performance. And when you look at someone like Gary Oldman, for example, in, the dar- in Darkest Hour, Gary Oldman is underneath a ton of makeup performing the character Winston Churchill. Now, that physical makeup is on camera, so the Academy Awards are able to understand that Gary Oldman's delivering this performance. The only thing Andy Serkis is doing differently is he's performing the part on set, just like Gary Oldman does, but the, the makeup is being added digitally uh, in a computer later on. You're not seeing anything different. You're just seeing his performance coming through a digital character. And I think that, that and to me, in my opinion, it's harder. It's harder what Serkis does. And we've seen Last Jedi. He is brilliant as Snoke. There is something about the delivery of how he delivers his lines, the weight he carries as he's he's performing, and I just don't get it. And like this dates back to even voice work. Look at look at uh, Robin Williams and Aladdin, things like that. uh, Voice performances that were never you know truly recognized in 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 regards to the actual award given for acting. And I think that Gary Oldman, and it's it sucks that I'm not surprised that he's not even in the in the race. But it just it, it just really concerns me that with a performance that strong in War for the Planet of the Apes, that it's not even in a conversation right now. There's no conversation about it. That's well, that's and this terrible. year, well, once again, this I, year I think with Oldman sitting well. right there. Uh, yeah, but this year he's 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 right. There are other years when I wouldn't argue that a motion capture performance deserves part of the conversation. But this year, when you parallel it to uh, Oldman. And for a while, Oldman was a frontrunner. He might be slipping away, but for a while, everybody was blown away by his performance, which is enhanced fully. That performance is is turning so many heads because everyone's just like, well, in real life, Gary Oldman doesn't look like Winston Churchill. So, and everything that's turning him into looking like Winston Churchill. Now he's he's good in the part. He's acting the part too. But all of the things that did, like you say, assist him in becoming Winston Churchill are basically the same things that assist Andy Serkis to become Caesar. Fox has done a great job of like releasing these side by sides, which I don't really understand why why the Academy has yet to watch these and fully get it. If 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 they release maybe a cut of the movie. With just right. him, I mean, people don't really understand. 
Yeah. He is physically awesome. on set doing everything that you're seeing. He's doing the running. He's he has these he's running on everything. The actual eyes, the facial expressions, the way he breathes, the way he talks. That's all what you're seeing. And 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 people they just don't get it. And to me, it's the best performance of the year, no question. And I think I, that I, I uh, think when as as the academy gets older, <laughs> I think they're starting to invite younger members into the academy and as for lack of a better way to put it, as older Academy members start dying and the average age for the Academy lowers, Jeez, I think you'll start dark. to appreciate. I, I think I think they will start Jake to appreciate made his first that. Mistake-y. I, I think Sorry. I think there will. I think right now there is um, same way with with the whole thing. They like they can't wrap their brain around how Netflix could make an Oscar worthy film. Right? They don't sure. see that as a performance. They don't see Netflix producing a movie as a theatrical mm-hmm. release. Because they refuse to acknowledge that something outside the realm of their comfort could could be worthy of a performance. I think it's going to take a few years, and the, the Academy's you know, going to have to get younger for them to do that. Well, yeah, I mean, in an upcoming segment, we're going to have to dive into streaming services and, and how that's changing the game. Especially with, not that it's going to be an Oscar contender, but with Will Smith and Joel Edgerton putting out Bright, a David Ayer movie, right to Netflix. I mean, that's it's the next step of what's a, a, a slippery slope. That's going to get nominated, right. though. Mudbound will, Mudbound will get nominated. I mean, Netflix, and I mean, they argue that they have to get some theatrical play. These movies still have to go. They in, do. I think Mudbound is getting New York and L.A. theatrical play. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the films, I mean, Netflix has been very smart about giving their, their, their movies at least a couple screens in New York and L.A., they did, I think they did it with Okja. I think they did it with uh, the Angelina Jolie film. Uh, Mudbound right. got a, goal, a SAG nomination today for Ensemble. That movie is definitely going to get a Best Picture nomination. No question. I mean, that, that, the, the fact that it's in the... I wouldn't say definitely, dude, but I think it has a good shot. It, if it's in the five SAG... Now, don't quote me on this. I could be wrong. Have, has a movie ever been nominated for Ensemble at SAG and then not got a Best Picture nomination? I'm sure there has to yeah, be. Yeah, I think statistically there probably has to be. I, didn't I look can't up think of it off the top of my head. What do you think this is? An awards podcast? <laughs> but I'm no, saying I, I am curious that though. Has to have happened. But I but I read a, a stat today, and I and I could be botching this that a movie hasn't won an Academy Award for Best Picture without getting a SAG nomination in the past win, like 25 right. years or something like that. Correct. Yes, I think every Best Picture winner was at least a SAG nominee. I think so, so because of that, you think the post is out of the best picture conversation? I don't think it's out of the best picture conversation because of the nine nominations or the possible ten. And, but in terms of winning, oh, post is not well. But win. once you're no. in, you're in. Once you're in, you're in, and you have a chance. Post will not win best picture. I think is Spielberg oh, nominated for director. I think oh, yes. oh yeah, Spielberg gets in. Here's the thing: Post is a great yes. film, and we, we and we've discussed this on text. Uh, um, and I do think that there was a period of time, short period of time where post was the front runner. It was like a, it was like a couple days where like it was being talked about as a front runner. Um, that's the SAG award nominations that came out today. I think in my opinion, I think diminished that movie from winning any best picture. So here's the point though. And here's what makes this, this award season so interesting. and makes me glad that we're doing this podcast. You know, you, at this point, not only have we gotten the SAG nominations, Critics' Choice nominations, and Golden Globes, but the critic circles start naming Best Picture and Best Director. I know Chicago has, I, did, I know uh, DC has, Dallas has, Boston, and all of those have been different. There hasn't yeah. been, there's not one unanimous Best Picture, no, there's not one. And so, okay, if Post isn't the frontrunner, then who is the frontrunner? I have no idea who the frontrunner for Best Picture is. I have no idea who the frontrunner. That actually kind of makes me kind of really excited about this award yeah. season because I have absolutely no idea. What's going to happen? It also makes it tough because people look to us 
to tell them what's going to win. And, you know, you make sort of a prediction based on kind of what's hot at the moment. And the next thing you know, nominations come out the next day and your prediction just goes up in the air. I'd rather right, be in a totally. situation where we don't know. And, 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 and as a person who's on TV, like as we all are, making these nominations and, you know, there's the risk of getting them wrong. But I, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than going into an award show just knowing what's going to win. And I think, I think right now, I mean, if I were to look at just based on like – social media and just the the awards groups. I mean, if I were to look at the front runner for best picture, I think it's, it comes down to three films. I think right now it's Shape of Water, Dunkirk, and Call Me By Your Name. I don't think, I think those those three are, are could eat, could go either way. But like the Call Me By Your Name thing, listen, I watched that film and I, I think, and, and I, when I, when I, when it ended, I was like, that was very good and I loved it. But as time has passed, I've just, I just that film is just not really stuck. I, with I me, don't man. get it, man. I don't honestly. I, don't I, I, I didn't even walk away saying that I loved it. There were a lot of aspects of it that I appreciated, and yeah. the conversation between the father and son at the end of the film, Amazing. arguably, is actually one of probably one of my top ten favorite scenes this year. Absolutely incredible film. I don't understand how Army Hammer is getting supporting actor conversation and not Michael Stolberg. Stolberg. Um, yeah. Stolberg. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. understand how Army Hammer is getting more acclaim over him, um, especially considering Did all the Hammer work he's get put a SAG in. nomination. I believe he did. Did, did he really? Wait, well, yeah, I got to grow fast. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm with you. I don't, no, he I didn't. don't get the love for Call Me By Your Name. Um, I, I don't think it's... Steve Carell got it for Battle of yeah. the Sexes? Yeah, Army, Army, didn't get, Army didn't get a nomination for SAG, which is interesting, but he got the Globe nom. Um, but in SAG, it's Steve Carell. Uh, the Battle of the Sexes thing, I don't know where that's coming from. That was, that, I thought that was a very was showy part. Remember, like he wasn't in the movie that much, and so he was able to show up Kind of every scene he was in with Emma Stone, he st- I'd argue stole from Emma Stone, and then because he wasn't in it, he was a very sure he present. was fine. The whole movie was just fine. The movie was the just movie fine. was just yeah. fine, but I'd argue he was great, and that goes back to our conversation. You can't judge the performance mm. based on the quality of the movie. And look at Mickey Rourke and the Wrestler. Wrestler wasn't a phenomenal film in my opinion, but he was phenomenal in it. So I'm gonna throw out my movie that I think should be in the race, and you guys can tell me if I'm crazy. I don't know why Mother is not getting more conversation. I agree. Is it just that I love it and people don't people don't get it? Um, I, I think the studio abandoned it. I think yeah. the studio got so much. Pro- I mean, I, I I can't speak for you guys, and and by no means should this be a an, a factor, but it is whether we admit it or not. I didn't get a screener for it, and when I'm trying mm, to right. reconsider everything, and it's a movie I saw what back in September, and it's one of maybe. 15 movies I saw in September and I don't, you know, right. I, I would have loved to have given it because that's a movie that I'd argue you kind of need to see more than once. And I only saw it. Well, once. of all, of all the films that we are, have been, have been talking about and they're all for the most part. And I think part of the reason why we don't have a clear cut front runner is because all of these movies are, are good to very good. And there hasn't been very many of them that are in the race that are just blow you away. Great. I would argue Aronofsky's mother is the only film in the conversation this year that is a true work of art that has that that can be interpreted a, a million different ways. Interpreted, interpreted. What did I just say? Yeah, that's right. You could come at that film from a million different directions, yeah. and no one's wrong, right? Yeah. And it's just, and it's it it completely surprised me all the places that it went. I don't know how Jennifer Lawrence isn't getting more conversation. Yeah. I don't know how Aronofsky's not getting conversation for. I mean, I know Dunkirk was incredibly directed. It really was, and Nolan's fantastic. But but you take the concept of Mother and turn it over to anyone else, yeah. and it's a train wreck. 
yeah. the fact that Aronofsky was as brilliant as he was, I don't know why that that the the critics groups and there are a lot of really good movies that they're championing. Lady Bird is getting a lot of great critical uh, love. The Florida Project, both of those films deserve to be in the conversation. But I feel like a bold choice would have been to honor Aronofsky and to honor Mother. It's a strange year. It's a strange year because something like Mother, um, I completely agree with you. I I. When I first saw Mother, I was my jaw hit the floor. That third act is one of the most incredible uh, pieces of cinema I've ever seen, and you know, the fever dream. Oh, he calls it. what a moment! And like, I, I think I heard him say uh, the best way I heard him describe that was I think it was an assault on the senses. Like you were, you were right. basically just getting punched in the face for forty minutes. It was, it was insane. I have to be honest, I did um, not like it when I the first time I saw it. It took like a little. Honestly, it took talking with my fiance. It took sort of kind of stopping and really kind of letting it soak in. To, and then made me go, oh, wow, that, okay, all right. I'm starting to, I would have loved to have seen it. I think the, the greatest compliment that Mother's going to have is that in 20 years, I think it's going to be considered a classic. Oh, I agree. And, 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 and I mean, first of all, I don't want to get too in, inside baseball, but and you guys know I'm, I'm a gigantic like fan of just shooting on film. But like the fact that he shot this movie on 16 millimeter, and this is a this is a relatively bigger budget film in regards to, I think it will cost like 20, 30 million to make. And I think a lot of that probably went to acting and uh, things like that. But there were some heavy digital effects towards the end, obviously, with everything happening in that third act, right? In essentially one set. Right. In, in, a ha in the house. They had to physically figure out how to create all that insanity in, in just the house that they it built. It was insane. And I, and I remember, that was one of the first films when it ended. I remember looking through the credits to try and find clues. It was so weird. Like, I, the movie ended, and I'm like, okay. So the first thing I want to know is what's Javier Bardem's name in the film, right? And, I, and, right. and you start and you and you look at it. I think it's him, but it's a capital mm -hmm. H, so meaning that he's. Uh, you could argue that he's God, and then you know, there's right. there's there's so many different ways to look at the film, and I think that's the beauty of cinema. And I think something like um, just what he did with that camera work. I mean, there to me. The camera is a leading character. The way he was going through that house in these single takes uh, with Lawrence, uh, it scared the crap out of me at times, but it also made me laugh in certain aspects because of Michelle Pfeiffer's mm -hmm. performance and the way she talked to Jennifer Lawrence. Um, but, oh, oh, my God, when that movie got going, there was nothing. I, I, I don't know how to explain it to people, and I get why uh, it was so divisive. But I'm with you, Sean. I, oh, I do, too. I totally yeah, do. I, I just think a film like that and Blade Runner 2049, it's a shame that it's a shame they're not in the conversations. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree with you on that film for sure. All right. So we're running out of time, and I want to get through this last Oh, my God. Really is the hour almost we're up? Not gonna, it's getting really close, man. I'm we can go longer you. than so, an hour, and, can't we? Well, we can, sure. Yeah. I just want to bore the audience with our Four debut. hours, um, baby, let's go. This um, last category, this last uh, exercise game, however you want to phrase it, um, and, and this is where we have to be careful because we don't really want to be mean necessarily, but um, there are people who are in the race who are getting a couple of nominations and they're super happy about it, but when we looked at them getting nominated, we were essentially just like, eh, shouldn't that slot go to somebody else? And I'll, listen, I'll fall on the sword, I'll go first. And I'll say that um, I just I don't get Molly's game and uh, and and Jessica Chastain, who is fantastic um, and she's a great actress. But I think that both the movie itself, um, more more so the movie, the movie is fine. It's sort of flawed. Uh, it's not what I wanted from Aaron Sorkin's debut, a directorial debut, and even her part. Like all of it felt like it was um, several scenes that when they became showy. 
um, her courtroom standoff, multiple conversations with Idris Elba, her co-star, the Kevin Costner ice rink conversation. They all came with like um, a flag waving right before them that said, here's the moment that you're going to want to consider her for an award. Uh, and it just, to me, felt like it was too far ahead of itself. And and um, and now, but but it's working. I mean, to a certain extent, she's getting the nominations uh, and this is such a strong year for actresses. We've been talking about a number of different films that should be in the conversation. I don't see why Gal Gadot isn't getting the, that slot. I don't see why Jennifer Lawrence, who I mentioned, isn't getting that slot. Um, it's just sometimes I think, and we've talked about this, and we're going to get into this when we talk about Denzel too, where people just see the name and they just sort of check it off right at the bat. And Molly's Game strikes me as one of yeah, those. And I think a Sorkin script is sort of like steroids for acting. Like you can turn in hmm. a decent performance in a, in a, using a Sorkin script, and then the, just by nature of the rapid fire, da, 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 it makes your performance seem better. I, I liked Jessica Chastain, and I liked Molly's Game. I, I saw it um, bef- uh, pretty early because of uh, because of the junket. They junketed it in uh, early November, um, and hmm. by no means did I walk out of that screening going, "Well, there's there's a surefire Oscar contender." I walked out going, "Oh, that was a fun like." poker movie and as a, as a fan of poker like mm-hmm. i enjoyed it and and like okay like not bad for sorkin's directorial debut he's obviously taken a few lessons from some of the pe- better directors who have directed his work um but i think there's something about listening to someone with that rapid fire sorkin dialogue even though i'd argue it's one of his weaker scripts you know when you compare it to some of his work um that just makes people think a performance is better than it is you know, it's a, and, and Sean, I actually think you might your your wish might come true here. I mean, if the SAG nominations are any indication of what's going to happen at the Oscars, uh, Chastain didn't get a nomination today. Um, it was Judy Dench, Sally Hawkins, Frances McDormand, Margot Robbie, and Saoirse Ronan. Which, where did now, Judy Dench come from? Yeah, then that, that, that's what. <laughs> that, now here's the thing. Here's the problem with that list. The Judy Dench, Judy Dench does not belong in there. I mean, she was she was fine in the film. And, but we all know that the Academy loves Judy Dench. Um, so I do think, Sean, that Chastain might not be part of the conversation when it comes to the Academy Awards. I don't even think Molly's Game is going to have a ton of Oscar nominations. I, I mean, possibly, obviously, screenplay. I don't, Sorkin, Sorkin definitely will not get in there. Idris won't get in there. Chastain I think like, like is probably kind of just the, two. Like, you know, if Chastain yeah. gets in, if Chastain gets in, I think two at most. I don't think Chastain's going to get in. And listen, I think I know. I thought Molly's game was fine. I I I, I thought that you know, it's funny, Sean. That you mentioned the the raising the flag um, uh, when when a scene's supposed to kind of get you like. And I I would argue. Listen, I love the post, but there were scenes in the post that I that I that I felt certain scenes like that raised that same flag uh, at times. I know um, you said that. And I, listen, I love the post. I think Spielberg did a brilliant job with it, but I think that there are a lot of films that do have those moments where like, this is my time to shine. And I, I actually thought that the Costner Chastain scene was incredible. I, I cried. I had tears in my eyes. I thought that scene was brilliant. I'm not even saying it's a bad scene, yeah. but, but in what world does, does he suddenly show up at the ice skating rink in Manhattan? Sure. That she, chooses to skate it whenever uh, something like that happens and the logic doesn't doesn't add up it takes me out of it instantly i, I, I probably don't even know what they said for the first half of that conversation because i sat there thinking where did he come from how did he know she was there it made me think oh did he die and now he's coming back as a ghost like that's how he interesting like that and that's i was like oh no, he, no just, listen. he just found her in the largest city in america yeah I think you're gonna. Right. I think. I think. I think you're gonna be okay, Sean. I don't think that uh, Molly's game is gonna have. Uh, I mean, again, again, Judy Dench. As while I don't think she belongs in there, um, I think right. that the Academy loves her. And I, I mean, listen, we know. For, you think she gets nominated? 
I, 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 listen, here's the thing. We know. Here's what we know for sure. We know Hawkins, 100%. McDormand, yes. 100%. Margot yes. Robbie, 100%. Saoirse Ronan, yes. 100%. Saoirse Ronan, 100%. Those are your four definite. So yes. that fifth category is where names. it's interesting. Here's who it's going to be. It's either going to be Streep yeah. or Dench. But Streep didn't get a SAG nomination. So what happens? I think I, I still lean towards Streep. It's not going to be Chastain. I think you might be right. I think you just talked me out of it and I feel better. Now, Kevin, you said Denzel shouldn't be in the in the conversation. Yeah. I, Do you I, think he gets in? Is he in because he's Denzel? I think so. And I, and, and it really, it, it, in that, in that right now in the category of actor, uh, according to SAG, we have Timothy from Call Me By Your Name, James Franco, mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya, Gary Oldman, Denzel Washington. Um, mm-hmm. I'd argue that Timothy and Denzel both don't belong in there. I think they're, I think they're great in the, in their movies, but, to, the Denzel one is the one I sent you because that one kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, Roman J. Israel Esquire, no one was talking about that um, at all. And I think that the right. name Denzel, is, as Jake was saying, I think, you know, you just get nominated because you're Denzel Washington. Maybe he is the new Meryl Streep. But, and we discussed this already earlier in the podcast. If anybody's tuning in now or, 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 or hadn't tuned in earlier, um, I mean, Andy Serkis, in my opinion, is the person who deserves to be in that category. Uh, and it's not going to ever happen this year, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think Denzel belongs. And I don't think Timothy belongs. And I think that, uh, that we should be talking about Andy Serkis and another person, by the way, um, that's not getting any love, which I'm blown away by is Doug Jones in, in shape of water. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. That's another Andy Serkis thing, but uh, the I, difference I don't there, Serkis does way more in his role than, than Doug Jones does in his role. I'm not saying they're the same I by any means. I'm just saying I'd that there that, that there are two performances who are completely covered by some type of makeup and or digital effect. Um, and I would argue that Doug Jones, through the 90% of those prosthetics, getting that emotional performance out and having that emotional connection <laughs> with Sally Hawkins was brilliant. Now, and listen, I, uh, Jones getting a nomination, I never even thought about that ever happening, but I, I wish he was in the conversation. Does, Here are does the five. Daniel get out? Wait, from no, get I out, think, get in. I think the these top five? Your, I think these are the I think these are the five. I think it's Oldman. I think it's Hanks. I think it's Daniel Day Lewis. I say Timothy Chalamet gets in, and I think it's Franco. What about, what about Kaluuya? Oh, he's getting in, buddy. No. Kaluuya. No. He's getting in. I don't think he gets Kaluuya, in. Dude, Kaluuya got a SAG nomination. I think he's definitely getting right. in. I think he's hundred percent getting dude. That movie, that is one of the few films that can come out right. early in the year. And is still right. blowing people's minds. That performance is incredible. I, mean, I love that but, performance. But do you really think Daniel Day Lewis doesn't get? Doesn't get? We in? haven't seen Phantom Thread. He, oh, he doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The Academy. If this is his final performance, the Academy will not miss the opportunity. Yeah, I, think, I think the person that has the, the best shot him. of getting knocked out is Tom Hanks because he seems to always Possible. be that person that turns in great performances that people think he's going to get nominated for. And then, I mean, he hasn't get nominated right. since Castaway, which is coming up on two decades ago. Jake, did you see Phantom Thread? Think Franco's in. Oh yeah, Jake. Did you see it? Uh, which one? Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. Yes, I did. Phantom Thread. Yeah. How is Day Lewis? Oh, uh, he's he's good, but it's you know it's uh, I mean I I think there's an element of of Daniel Day Lewis where we have to think that everything he does is the best thing he's ever done in his entire life, and and I thought he was good. Well, but... I'm looking over your shoulder and I see the same thing happening to your boy Leo because it happens to him every single time. <laughs> he just gets in because he's in. He deserved to win for that movie, by the way. Yeah. He's better in Django than he is in Revenant. his best movie. He deserved to win for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, that, but he's every no matter what he does, he gets in. So I don't know. He didn't get nominated right. for Django. Listen, I know. 
Well, we'll talk about Leo on another podcast. So, uh, Jake, real fast, you you wanted to argue about Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've touched on it uh, so far this hour. I just think it's a movie that personally doesn't connect to me. I love that it's connecting with people. Uh, I never want to uh, squash an impact that a movie has on somebody else. And by no means am I saying that. But I don't get – not only do I not get his performance in terms of being nominated, I don't get – the claim behind his performance in terms of potentially he being the person that spoils it for Gary Oldman. I'm very much on the, I, I and normally I don't always find myself on the bandwagon for the front runner, mm. but I'm very much for Oldman. Not because, not just because I think he's great in Darkest Tower, which I really do, but he's one of those actors where, and it wouldn't be the first time that this has happened in the Academy. He's due for an Oscar and this isn't the best role he's ever put out. This isn't the best performance he's ever given. He like just give it to the man. But like, I, he deserves I, I, an I Oscar. Hate, by I this hate point. that. I, I hate that someone wins for their career. And like like to me, the the Academy's always playing catch up, and it's just that annoys me because then it completely diminishes what happened that year. Um, and I think. Are you trying to say that Scent of a Woman is not Al Pacino's best? Performance? <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And I also would say that like Gary Oldman. What, where was the Academy when Immortal Beloved came out or Dracula or True Romance or Professional or um, The Fifth Element? Where, where was the Academy? Why is it now? It's because he's playing an historical character. It's Winston Churchill. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate that the Academy, it's all about the career. And you know what? You're going to see a lot of nominations for Darkest Hour. Joe Wright's going to get in. I don't it's think gonna so. It's going to get picture. I, it just it's such an academy movie. It'll get picture. It's just Joe Wright won't get the it. The older nominees just are dialed into whatever that movie does. I'm telling you. You're going to be surprised. We're going with a lot of younger themed uh movies like Get Out and we have to remember that there's a big chunk of the academy membership that's still 60 plus and they didn't go to the theater to see Get Out and maybe they got the screening but didn't pop it in. But if they see Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill, oh my gosh, it's like that's like softcore porn. I'm getting a good uh, it's funny. I'm getting a good vibe on Get Out though. I'm I'm feeling it. I hope so. I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeling the the that the Academy's gonna embrace it. And it's weird because it came out in in February or March of this year. Uh, you know, Jake and I and Jake and I, I'm surprised uh, we haven't mentioned this yet. Where's the Logan love? And and and, and, and like Jake, I think that, unfortunately, I, st- I still think that falls under the category of it's a movie about Wolverine, and yeah. uh, and I don't think they will bring it to themselves to nominate a movie about Wolverine. I thought but, the best but, shot it had was Sir Patrick Stewart, and even though we nominated him, I don't think he makes it into the the five. I agree. It's, it's I, unfortunate. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put money down on the fact that I think he gets in. The supporting actor wow. category always has a wild card. Oh, yeah. What's in there? And and it's somebody who you sort of say, uh, oh, I'm really glad that they got recognized yeah. there. And maybe he doesn't have a chance to win, but that way, you know, he, they can, he's at least, so good in it. I mean, he's never even been nominated. Like, at least that might be the, like, hey, like, here's a cookie. Like, you know, like, for your career. Right. Can someone right. please explain to me Willem <laughs> Dafoe in the Florida Project? Because, oh, listen, he's great. No, he, he's, he's just great. good. Listen, that film was fine it was it was an interesting snapshot snapshot at this at what was going on to me listen i think the girls the the mother and the daughter are phenomenal in that movie defoe was just okay i kind of have to agree with kevin nothing memorable that's fine that's fine i can understand that i think one of the most compelling scenes um of the year was willem defoe's character and his estranged son trying to move uh, a broken ice maker into an into an elevator, but I don't see that the girl that played the mother gives a better performance. I agree, she's great. I don't no, get no, the no, Defoe she's great. love. She's I don't great. How she's not and in the conversation. 
I know because because nobody knows who she is and people just might think that that's who she is, yeah. right? But I'm sure that she's playing a character yeah. um, and that she's actually giving a performance. But I think people just think that Sean Baker found like uh, Central Florida white trash and cast her in the role. Yeah. And I bet you that's not the case. Do you know who they wanted for that part? Who? I talked to Sean Baker. I did an interview with him and he wanted Britney Spears. Name drop. Wow. He wanted to capitalize. But he then wanted I to capitalize Britney on that. That was a nice name drop. But she's a she's a Mouseketeer, and he wanted a faded, washed up Mouseketeer to play that you know Central say Florida no? cast up. Um, they thought she'd be too distracting. I don't even think they went out to her. She couldn't play that role. It would have been she couldn't play that role. Way too distracting. And that that girl. But then what if they got Justin Timberlake to play Defoe's character? Then I'm just saying. You but know. The, like, I just I just don't get the def- the, the, the Defoe <laughs> thing is another thing that just blows my mind. That blows my mind, and also the Octavia Spencer love for Shape of Water, which I, I love. Oh, I know. I love the and Shape of Water. She's kind of just playing Octavia Spencer. Well, I mean, I, I yeah. think listen, I think Octavia Spencer is a great actress. I think she's great in the film. I think she's her character serves a great purpose. I just don't see why she's so extraordinary. And like to me, like like the Doug Jones, the Richard Jenkins, the Stahlberg, the Shannons, like those guys, in my opinion. Are, are, yeah. are Sally Hawkins is it, it, that's an award performance. Um, Spencer's like good. Richard, I get the Richard Jenkins love. Like J- I, Jenkins is great. He, he he makes he makes the five for supporting actor, and I go okay, all right, well done. Oh, with he's you on Octavia a, Spencer. I don't get like to me, it's it's not that different from the role that she played in Hidden Figures or the role that she played in The Help. Like she's um, Shape of Water did not get a SAG nomination for ensemble. No, it did not. Sally got a nomination though for best actress. So does, so does but that it take... has, it's a best picture contender. It has to be a best picture contender. I know, and that's the weird thing. If so but... then is this, if we're talking about how crazy this year is, is this the right. year where all of those previous rules don't matter anymore? Yes, I'll say yes. And like, for example, put the post back into consideration. Yes, like, put the post back the in. The Big Sick got uh, shut out of the Globes. and that's, All the right. Globes don't matter. But that got a SAG today. So now, right. it's funny, I tweeted to Kamel Nanjiani that, hey, I it's like you're going to be getting I an Oscar it. nomination. Oh, but I named And he was like, bro, Wait, I named dropped out. and then you dropped that. I'm not named dropping <laughs> I, I literally tweeted him today and he responded. And he said, bro, chill <laughs> out. I'm like, dude, you, you know you're getting a nomination. Now, Holly Hunter got a nomination in supporting actor category for that movie. That movie's phenomenal. Right. It's one of the best movies of the year, no question. That's going to get in. It's really good. All right, listen, we could be doing this for the next two hours, but we have to save a lot of this because we have a long award season. We still have one more time. I'm going to wrap this up. We still have one more time. I'm wrapping up. No, we oh, can't we get into Star Wars. To. Come on, Jedi. We, we have to. We're, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. Dude, the- All right, I'll, I'll, we'll very quickly talk about, answer this question, lightning round. Is Star Wars Last Jedi going to earn any Oscar no. nominations? I mean, like effects and, and, and sound editing, yeah, sure. that's what I mean. Below like, like we'll get below ones? the line. Anything above the no. Hamill? No. Well, I, I'd argue Hamill's playing Hamill. What about Brigsby Bear? Now, that's a great Hamill performance. I love Brigsby Bear. I mean, one, Hamill wouldn't get on it. He's barely in Brigsby Bear, aside from he's great doing it, right? the voice of Brigsby. Yeah. But, but right. I actually, I, I love Brigsby Bear. I, that's a movie I wish we were getting a little bit more uh, uh, talk in the conversation. At Me least too. for screenplay. Right. It is a really good one. 
Um, all right, listen, we're going to conclude, but I want to let everybody know. So let's tell everybody what, so this is awards blend. This is our, our podcast. Um, we're still sort of feeling out how often we're going to do this. We say we want to do it bi-weekly, um, because the award season only goes so far. However, we've already booked an episode for next week because we just can't, um, stand to be away from each other for too long. And also this was kind of going to be a 2018 experiment. Um, but when we realized all these great nominations were dropping and we had a lot of stuff to talk about, and, um, then we wanted do our top fives next week i think we're gonna do five because if we do 10 should we do 10 i mean what do you guys 10 i mean so can we go through 30 movies in an hour well no i think what you do is you list them i think you i think each of us lists them 10 to 1 uh we we all go one at a time and then we discuss Ah, that's fair i I I feel like it'd be better to go like 10 10 10 9 9 9 8 8 8 that, that would take if forever. we can keep our commentary to a to a minimum. Oh, because like, this hour long podcast shows that we totally keep our <laughs> yeah, comments I, to a minimum. I, I actually, I just got a text. The word is. Snackables. I just got a text yes. from Sean just now, and Sean just said ten yeah. to one Dunkirk all the way through. <laughs> wow, well, I mean, that's that's pretty good, Sean. I, I can I can go. Is with it that. too early to quit the podcast? <laughs> it's bold. Um, so next week, December 20th, we're going to try to do this live. I mean, this is, uh, we're going to try to do it as a live podcast. We will also have some people have already started texting me and asking me if they're able to download it through the normal podcast channels. Yes. We're going to get an RSS feed up. We're going to be able to get the audio for this, um, hour long conversation out to you guys. But um, I'm willing to believe in 2018, once we really start getting into the thick of this, that um, we start to do it on a regular I, I, basis. I just feel like we uh, could do, I mean, listen, I, and I know schedules, the schedules will be a very big thing here, but. You're the busiest of the three no, of us. No, 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 we're all busy. Dude, you have kids. Um, here, here's the thing. I have a dog. Do? Yeah, you have a dog. And well, here's the one thing we, I think it's interesting. And I, and I think, I, first of all, I love this platform. And we, we all talk on TV and it's three or four minute segments. Um, I'd love to do this once a week if we can and just. It could just be as simple as talking about the current films that are out, um, things we've seen recently, and maybe those could be 30-minute podcasts. You never, you never know, but I, I think we should at least try to meet once a week if we can. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's let the, the listeners tell us whether they want to continue. And, and I just say, if, if you guys don't mind, really a quick shout-out, because because I think Kevin and I are nothing if not company men. Shout-out to Fox for letting us do this uh, podcast. We any Any appearance that we make in any form of media – uh, has to be approved, and they were actually super cool about us coming on here. So thank you to the higher ups for letting us uh, appear yeah, on this absolutely. podcast. In fact, mention your stations. Please mention yeah, again where Fox people 32, can watch you guys on a daily uh, basis. News in Chicago, the Fox Philly. If you ever come to Chicago, turn it on to the local Fox Philly. We have an amazing team. I'm part of a show called Good Day Chicago. And Jake has a very comfortable couch that and it folds out. Are you still using that one? No, because I realize I don't really want people on my couch. So that, I use that line Kevin, for years, where can and, people then st- and then I realize I actually don't like people coming over that much, so I've, I've stopped using it. Kevin, where can people find uh, you? Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. And actually what's cool is uh, – so Jake and I have known each other since 2010, and we've spent a lot of t- – we spent a lot of time in hotel rooms, like, geeking out about movies, but tomorrow clarify, night – Clarify that statement. Well, no, nothing to clarify. We spent a lot of time in hotel rooms together. Um, but yeah, we, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's the truth. Um, but um, we, uh, Jake's coming to DC tomorrow. Jake and I are actually going to the, um, the post red carpet, which is the world premiere here in DC tomorrow night. Spielberg be will be here. Sean. Yeah. Um, 
Sean, I was, I, I was, Spielberg just texted me and said, is Sean O'Connell coming to the uh, carpet? I, I told him, no, you're too busy oh, watching Dunkirk. Is this, is this my schedule? <laughs> oh, oh, what's that? Is that <laughs> Can you tell him that I found uh, Williams' soundtrack for the, for the post to be really subtle? Sure. I, I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, I will definitely Thank tell you. him that. Yeah, yeah. Let him know that I said that. Uh, Kevin, tell people where we can find you. Come on. All right, Fox, find you? Fox 5, uh, Washington, D.C. I work for a show called Good Day, D.C. Jake and I work for the same company. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find me in DC. If you, if you live in DC channel five, you can stream the show on Fox five DC.com. Uh, and if you follow Jake and I on social media, uh, you can follow us at the post premiere tomorrow night with the premiere is actually happening at the museum, which is a really cool thing. Um, th- that the movie's happening there, but just specifically, if you ever been there, like they have, they have newspapers for when the Titanic sank. It's such oh, it's a, a it's, cool it's place. Probably my favorite museum on, on, in, in, in the country. I agree. I think it's, you there's know, no better Hank- museum. I'm sure Hanks is totally geeking out about being there. Totally. So sure. And we're, and we're, we're yeah. scheduled to, to talk with Spielberg and Hanks and Streep and the entire cast. And I just found out before this uh, podcast started that they're putting Kevin and I next to each other on the red carpet. Yeah. So okay. prepare, for the, prepare for that. Uh, by well, the way, I, obviously, I, I am going to give Spielberg a gigantic hug and then uh, it's going to be awesome. That's what I, that's what I want to <laughs> do. I want to give him a huge hug. So ask him if he can guest uh, on the podcast next weekend oh. for our our top tens. He will appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> the post is very high on my list. I, I, I will, I will yeah, definitely ask him, by. John, for sure. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to our debut, uh, whether you watched us live or maybe you're listening to this later in a podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all the time that you spent with us. We hope that you continue to join us as we work our way through this entire marathon that is the award season. And I would not be surprised if this continued on past uh the oscars i hope so anyway so on behalf what are we gonna of... call this if it goes past the oscars jeez i don't know that's a good question Jake's Jake. blend. <laughs> how about cinema blend plus Ooh. cinema blend plus that, that sounds like something, like something you have to pay for to not get commercial <laughs> people can suggest suggest why don't we just call it uh interstellar plus dunkirk equals amazing <laughs> yeah I quit. thank you very much everyone for tuning in on behalf of kevin mccarthy and jake hamilton my name is sean o'connell with cinema blend and we will talk to you guys next week This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.